0: All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer.
1: And Hunter Leon.
0: And let's just jump right into it. So, a lot of stuff has happened in the NBA, as always. Uh, and let's start with some unfortunate news. So, Kevin Durant is out indefinitely after he sprained his MCL in a game against... Um, who was that game against? The Pistons uh, or something? Nuggets? I don't know who it was against. I'm them.
1: not sure. Doesn't really I matter.
0: Check. But... Yeah. Um, do you sort of want to speak about this? Because I know we've talked about the ridiculous load that has been put on KD due to how underwhelming the Nets have been.
1: Yeah. I mean, this wasn't like a, a wear and tear injury. It was a teammate knocked into him in a, a weird way, hit his knee, you know. So you couldn't expect any player to like be fine after that. But still, it doesn't help the case for what, you know him being injured. Um, so I think a lot of what I said is coming true in the fact that KD's body isn't holding up like with this ridiculous load that the, the Nets are having to rely with him on because all their outside pieces really aren't picking it up, which really sucks for them. Cause they have to rely so heavily on their stars and one of them isn't even playing in the, all of their home games right now. Um, but we can actually talk about that a little bit more. I know this is kind of a sidetrack, but Kyrie, will be able to play in all of the home games as long as Brooklyn's fine with paying a small fine. Obviously, it's not small to most people. It's like $5,000. But for the Nets to have Kyrie in every game, that might be worth it. Um, So jumping back to the KD thing, though, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to move forward, especially without their leading scorer and, you know, leading everything.
0: Yeah, we could definitely see the Nets take a hit in the standings because as of right now, I mean, they're not even the one seed as we all really expected them to be. They are sitting at the three seed right now, 25 games behind. But I fully expect them to drop, and we could see a team like, like Cleveland or Philadelphia, rise up and. I forgot
1: Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, honestly, Milwaukee could be there too, um, or even Charlotte. Honestly, the East is sort of wide open at the moment. I feel like even a team like the Bulls has been. Showing a lot of weakness and has dropped a bunch of games. Uh, obviously, to does some great teams, but still, um, I feel like the East is becoming more, more competitive. Um, yes,
1: and the Wizards were on a big loss streak, but now it seems like they're picking it back up as well. So they could also rise a little bit.
0: Yep, um, and also a team like Charlotte's been playing pretty well in their past ten. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the standings. And obviously, around this time, you know the standings start to solidify a little bit. So we got to see if the Nets, who you are correct in the sense that they could pay that fine, but I'm not sure that they will. I, I think they should, and realistically, that's what's going to happen. But in the case that they don't, like, we could see Brooklyn take a significant hit in the standings.
1: No, like, I wouldn't even understand. Like, they could still just take that payment out of Kyrie's contract even. Like, be like, hey, this is on you. Let's take it out of your money.
0: Yeah, and I mean – And then seen- he's – Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if you look at uh, Ben Simmons, who we are going to talk about late in this episode, he's getting hit with crazy fines by the league for not showing up. I think he's paid, like, millions of dollars in fines at the moment because he hasn't played a single game despite being under contract. Um, And so, like, I think someone calculated it, and it would be roughly $200,000 that Kyrie would have to pay or the Nets would have to pay. So really not that much. In comparison to how much money they're making.
1: No, especially if they want to win the trip, like two thousand or two hundred thousand dollars, isn't even the amount you pay like a vet men guy to come in for like a quarter of the season. And I think Kyrie has far more value than that.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So hopefully that's what they do because I do want to see the big three on the court as much as possible because that's that's honestly been something that we haven't seen that frequently.
1: And honestly, even paying that fine might make the money by increasing their viewership of games, increasing the amount of money they, that they can charge to get into the stands just because you have one, one of your guys back.
0: Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, $200,000, like in NBA terms, $200,000 is what you get for making a snarky comment in a post-game interview. So it's really not that big of a deal. It's just whether they're actually going go through with it. That's the question. Um, but we can move on if you don't have anything else to add about the Nets.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's too much to talk about. We've definitely talked quite a bit about the Nets in general in the pod.
0: Yeah, I mean, because they are one of the contenders, we do oh yeah bring up their name a lot. Uh, but let's move on to another supposed contender who's been struggling a lot, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. So Coach Frank Vogel, his job is in jeopardy, and they're monitoring his position on the team on a game-to-game basis after a 37-point loss to the Denver Nuggets – um, however, yesterday, last night, the Lakers got a big win over the jazz who have been struggling as of late. Um, you know, it was a really great win. They held the jazz to under hundred points. Donovan Mitchell scored only 13 points and Russell Westbrook got a nasty poster on Rudy Gobert. So what do you think about the Lakers as of right now? Um, what do you think about Frank Vogel? Do you think he should still be the coach of this team or do you want to see them move in a different direction?
1: I've been saying this for a long time coach Rondo where are you please leave Cleveland come back no <laughs> no but uh in and, and all sincerity I think your options for coaching don't really matter on this team because whether it's Vogel who who's your backup Fizdale like is that who your new hire is going to be oh
0: god no <laughs> like I
1: I legitimately think like he's in the system right now like he's a guy who's been a head coach like do you put Fizdale it's like I don't think it honestly makes that much of a difference on this team because I don't think this is a team that re- relies on coaching. If this was a young team and your coach was like a Luke Walton, it's a different story because you need a, a coach who can guide your players. But it's not the coaches who are guiding the players here. It's Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Dwight Howard. It's the guys who have been in the league for a long time. I mean, even even though he doesn't play and we make fun of him, like DeAndre Jordan, like Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, these are guys who've been around the league and are a good veteran presence for the guys austin reeves tht i guess even stanley johnson malik monk those are the only young players on the team also kendrick nunn but he hasn't even played the players are guiding the other players that need to be guided so i mean even the people making the schemes are probably russell westbrook lebron james you can imagine some of the defensive schemes were written up by rondo dwight howard And obviously the coaches are involved. It's not like the coaches don't have a role, but you know, the players are giving probably more input than the coaches are on this team specifically, not generally, but I think this team is a very player led team, which has its positives and negatives.
0: Yeah. Everyone made fun of Lakers for being a retirement home and having the oldest average age of all time, but that comes with its benefits. The fact that the fact is, is that These players have been around for a long time, so you don't really need to micromanage them, need to coach them. Yes, you do need a system that they can all play in and thrive in. And in that sense, I think that Frank Vogel has really been underwhelming in that department because trying to get a system that allows Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis to flourish hasn't really been something he's accomplished. But I don't know if that's his fault or just the fact that the personnel doesn't fit. And I'm more so leaning toward... The second option, like I think if the Lakers are going to make a change because they've been struggling, they should consider moving around some of their pieces and not necessarily the coach. Because Frank Vogel, in my opinion, he's a proven coach. He knows how to build schemes that work. We saw that in 2020. And changing the coach isn't going to fix the problem of fitting a square hole or a uh, square peg into a round hole. Like if Russell Westbrook doesn't fit, no coach could really make him work, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I do think there's definitely some scheming issues with this team, especially on the offensive end of the ball. It just seems like there's a lack of fluidity in the offense, especially when <clears throat> Westbrook is on the floor. But, <laughs> um, but no, in general, I like you said, I don't think this leads back to coaching. I think there's a fluidity issue, but that needs to be something worked out within chemistry and the fit of the players.
0: Yeah, it's like, would you, would you agree in the sense that, like, if the Lakers are going to make a change, they should trade some of their players, not the coaches. Like, the coach is not really the issue at hand here.
1: I honestly don't think that there's much the Lakers can do that would really make this team all that much better. I think it really comes, like, as far as trading pieces goes. I don't see a trade that would realistically happen that could improve the Lakers' odds of winning a championship. What I do think needs to happen is, for one, I think the Lakers' health, like health and, like, training staff needs to get on top of conditioning these players and making sure Anthony Davis stays healthy. And you, you get back Kendrick Nunn and you have a full squad because at the end of the day, we're only seeing part of the Lakers. We can't really get a full picture of what this team's going to look like and trading and moving pieces. Isn't going to help you build what you need to make a championship team. That foundation isn't going to be there. If you start moving pieces at the last minute, because you're panicking that you don't have your guys.
0: That's a good point. And I mean, I would I'd love to continue this and keep talking about the Lakers all podcasts, but let's, let's move on. So before we get caught in that trap as usual, let's talk about the jazz um, who the Lakers beat last night. So the jazz have been actually struggling as of late. They have not been playing very well. They are four and six in their last 10. Um, and they were on a, they were going on a pretty big losing streak, not having Rudy Gobert, bear. Um, and Donovan Mitchell has been struggling. So, Honestly, like, what what do you make of the Jazz? And does this really solidify how important Rudy Gobert is to
1: this team? Well, I Rudy Gobert obviously is, I think, the most influential and important piece on this Jazz team. I don't think that's too bold of a statement because he completely sets up what their defense is going to be like and is a lob threat in offense. Obviously, on offense, he needs other players to help him flourish. But on defense, he is the defense. All the other players can – not, ha, have to pay attention at all times and have to direct, defend the perimeter but they know if that their man gets by them they have Rudy to defend the paint and they're not too worried about that so he he just he exponentially increases their odds of winning the one problem they do have though is when their shooters aren't hitting their shots they're going to struggle and right now that's what's happening they're going on a losing streak because their, their shooters aren't making shots in the game against the Lakers they shot 37% from the field that is abysmal. That is really, really bad. And they shot 26% from three on f- almost 50 attempts. If you're shooting 50 attempts from three in a game, you better be hitting at least you know 40% of those or you're definitely not going to win. I mean, look at this. Oyan Bogdanovich one for nine. You have Jordan Clarkson goes two for 13. Rudy Gay is four for 12. These are not efficient or winning numbers you have to have your guys hitting more shots than that donovan mitchell six for 18 if if all your big guys aren't hitting their shots it's going to be really hard to win and every there's i heard this last night during the game the jazz have been held under 100 points four times this season they've lost every single game oh shoot
0: um sorry about that (laughs) but i guess that's the uh the alarm going off at the jazz organization where they're like, maybe we need to make some changes. Cause you know, it's not really working out. Um, but all seriousness, hope Hunter's okay. Uh, I don't know what the alarm yeah, is.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear me. I completely forgot there was a fire drill today at 4 PM.
0: No um, worries. Um, <laughs> so if you need um, I can carry on the episode uh, as you like walk out for a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, I can pitch in a little bit. I'm going to still be here, but yeah, you mind carrying on the episode for a little bit? No
0: worries. Yeah. So um, let's move on from the jazz. <laughs> what an interesting interruption, but we're going to move on to talk about, uh, you know, the Hawks who made a trade f- with the Knicks. Uh, they sent away Cam Reddish and in return, they got Kevin Knox and a first uh, from Charlotte. So, This is a very interesting move to me. I think that it makes sense for the Hawks to ship out Cam Reddish because they are not going to pay him this summer. They just don't have the space with the money tied up with John Collins, Clint Capella, Trey Young, obviously, um, and, you know, guys like uh, Danilo Gallinari, Kevin Herter. And so they just didn't have the money to retain a guy like Cam Reddish, even though he's been good for them. But I think this is is sort of a win-win type move. The Hawks get a a project of sorts in Kevin Knox, who, you know, he's shown flashes here and there that he can be a solid player in this league, but obviously hasn't shown that he can be a good player consistently, hence why he's fallen out of the rotation in New York uh, a couple times. And they get a first from Charlotte, who should make the playoffs this season, but, you know, still, it's always good to get a first-round pick, which you can trade for other assets or just get another young guy. And for the Knicks, you know, this is another uh, scoring threat that they're going to get. Cam Reddish, great defender, obviously reunited with his Duke uh, classmate in RJ Barrett. All that's missing is Zion now. So maybe they want to make that happen. And I think that, you know, Cam Reddish is really going to thrive in this team because he's going to get a much bigger role. The Knicks don't really, or I mean, yeah, the Knicks don't really have that go-to score. Like we're always giving the ball to this guy down the stretch. And um, they sort of score more by committee. Obviously, Julius Randle is the one option on this team, but some games it's Fournier, some games it's Barrett. Um, Other days it's, um, I don't know, just a random guy off the bench. And so I think Cam Reddish is really going to thrive in this role. He's going to really be able to shine a lot more than he did on the Hawks, and we could even see him start. And so I think this is honestly a win-win type trade. Maybe Cam Reddish could have – the Hawks could have gotten more for Cam Reddish, but all in all, I would say this is a solid trade, but isn't really league changing. Um, but let's go out west now, back west to the Trailblazers. It's a big news for them. Maybe a big change in direction because Damian Lillard is, um, he's out due to an abdominal injury and a surgery that he got. And so he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Um And obviously, they've been dealing with injuries in C.J. McCollum. And in this time where the backcourt has sort of opened up, we've seen a lot of guys thrive, like Derek Jones Jr., uh, Norman Powell. But biggest of all, we've seen the explosion of Anthony Simons, who has been on a crazy tear as of late, like scoring 30-plus in several games and just looking like a really, really promising young player. He's only 22 years old, and so – this might indicate that the Blazers might, con, should consider you know, maybe changing direction. Maybe they should rebuild because is this team going to win a championship as currently constructed, even if they were entirely healthy? No. you know, CJ McCollum is not good enough as the second option, along with Damian Lillard, to propel this team deep in the playoffs. Yusuf Nurkic is not the player he used to be. He's no longer the Bosnian beast and um, really is not as good big of a defensive force as he used to be and just the rest of the team isn't good enough you know Norman Powell is solid Robert Covington's having a down year but it's just not good enough to win a championship so maybe the Blazers should just think about trading away um, CJ McCollum, Nurkic and Dame which you could get a lot of pieces for that like the Blazers would be in one of the best positions uh, and have one of the most solid young cores if they decided to go that route due to all the assets they can get. Um, in speaking of assets they could get, let's talk about Ben Simmons because that has been a rumored trade for a while. S- sending Dame to Philadelphia and getting Ben Simmons, maybe a guy like Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thybulle, another young piece to add to that core. Um, so a lot of teams have been making offers for Ben Simmons. Uh, the Sacramento Kings made an offer, uh, surrounding or with a package surrounding Darren Fox, but the Sixers said they're not interested. They don't want a package where De'Aaron Fox is the, is the centerpiece. Um, and recently, the Pistons made a sizable package, actually, and in my opinion, a very solid piece or a very solid package with Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olynyk, and a first-round pick. But that was not met by much enthusiasm by Philadelphia. And you have to wonder, like, I guess Philadelphia is expecting two calibers of players in exchange for Ben Simmons, either a really, really really promising young player, like, um, I don't know, maybe RJ Barrett, maybe, like, they're looking higher, like a John Morant or something like that, like, super unrealistic, or just a superstar Harden-level player, um, and expect to do a similar thing like Brooklyn did, um, like a Damian Lillard, a Jalen Brown, even James Harden himself, uh, because we know the struggles Brooklyn has been going through. Um, so, Or Bradley Beal, even that's another name that's been thrown around. So if that is the case, then I don't know if we're going to see Ben Simmons shipped out because say the Blazers don't decide to blow it all up and the Wizards have shown no indication they want to get rid of Bradley Beal and the Celtics. Yes, they've been struggling, but are they willing to trade such a good young player, Jalen Brown, for Ben Simmons, who the last time we saw him, need I remind you all, he was pretty bad and got embarrassed in the playoffs and was one of the most clowned on players all of last season. So I don't know, maybe Philadelphia should lower their expectations because even that Pistons package, right? Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olenek, let's break this down. In Jeremy Grant, you're getting a very good player that's immediately going to be slotted into your starting lineup. He's going to be like a 15-point-per-game score on this team. He's going to give you some good two-way play and is really going to be a complementary piece around Joel Embiid. Um, Sadiq Bey you get a promising young player he's shown a lot as a sharpshooter um, and he's been playing very very solid and then we have Kelly Olinick, who's going to be a good role player he's going to come off the bench and he's going to give you good spacing on the floor and obviously that first round pick just sweetens the deal even more so you have to think like if that piece that just makes Philadelphia better all around if they don't want that then they're really just gunning for a superstar or just like one of the best young players in the league. Um, And I think Hunter may be back. So welcome back, Hunter. Hunter, can you hear us? Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. um, I was just talking about the, uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers and how they're very hesitant to part ways uh, with Ben Simmons for anything less than a superstar. Hunter, you there? All right, well, we're, so while we're experiencing these tough technical difficulties, uh, we'll just switch topics to the Memphis Grizzlies, who had the uh, longest win streak in the NBA for a while, 11 games. They were looking utterly dominant. John Moran has been playing phenomenal, um, truly has to be in the MVP conversations, and is really giving similar uh, vibes to – 2011 Derrick Rose and this young squad of Mavericks so the question really is are these Grizzlies genuine title contenders and I've heard a lot of different opinions around this topic but personally I believe that the Grizzlies just aren't there yet I think that they're on the cusp of it obviously they've outperformed all of our expectations and the timeline has been shifted up more and more due to how well they've been playing No one really expected John Morant to take this big of a leap. And guys like uh, Desmond Bain, who have been playing incredibly well, but I just don't think that they have all the pieces necessarily to, to be title contenders. But I do think that the only two real contenders in the West as of right now are Golden State and Phoenix. And I think that the Grizzlies are just slightly below that tier.
1: Okay, sorry. Are you able to hear me better now?
0: Yeah, perfect. Great timing. So, Hunter, do you think the Grizzlies are title contenders?
1: Okay. I'll put it this way. Um, how I feel about the Grizzlies is I just feel like they're one piece away from being in the getting to the finals conversation. I totally see them getting to the second round or even the like the conference finals, depending on the, the matchup they receive. Um, but I, I cannot see them beating a team like the Warriors or the Suns right now just because I think they're a, a big man short. Well, Jaron Jackson Jr. has really been great for them. I don't think he's the piece they need to really get over the hump because teams are really going to game plan so, solely for John Morant, and they're not going to really have to look past that because they'll, they'll take the shots from Jaron Jackson Jr. They'll take the shots from like I don't know, Desmond Bain. As long as they can get the ball out of the hands of John Morant, they'll take those opportunities.
0: Oh, no disrespect to to Desmond Bain, bro. He's been absolutely balling this season and has to be in most improved
1: conversations, you know? Oh, no, no disrespect to him, but what I'm saying is John Morant is going to be their main focus, and once they focus on him, they can start to focus on the other guys, but it's going to be really hard for them to be the team like Golden State when Golden State's going to have three or four threats as opposed to one.
0: Fair enough, and I would agree with that. I think that there's just a step below – And also we got to mention Dylan Brooks, who's been one of the best two-way players in the whole NBA this season. Um, Obviously he's been out with injury for a little bit, but you know, once they get him back, that's going to help. But I would agree. I think that this team really is lacking like that veteran, not star player, but veteran like good player that can anchor this team because this is a very young squad that I think one of the oldest players they have on this team is Steven Adams. And that might be the only real vet that they have on this team. And so if they go, just traded one of their younger pieces, you know, traded Kyle Anderson, traded a Jones, even a guy like um, Zaire Williams, who, you know, they took a gamble on this year and, and got like a very quality starting caliber veteran that would make them title contenders, I think, because that might be the piece that puts them over the edge.
1: Yeah, I can absolutely see just getting an- another veteran piece or two, making a trade with the right team and they're, they're in a great position to be a title contender i just think they need one more piece to get them over the hump especially someone who's been there in the playoffs because i mean well the grizzlies have been in the playing tournament they really don't know what it's like to to play in a a long playoff battle and they just really struggle but you know try to be there i mean they kind of had that experience last year was it they beat the warriors yeah, and then they right. came off the
0: Jazz, but that wasn't real playoff experience. That, that's that was... exactly
1: that's what I'm saying. That's you have a series, you don't have you don't really have as much as much under your belt as a team like the Utah or the Warriors, like teams who have been there for years. Right. And, and sorry, to, really quickly, I I think my building's finally letting us back in. Sorry for all the trouble, listeners. Um, but I'm finally gonna be able to go back to my room and get in the pot.
0: Awesome. Um, I mean, we're making it work, you know. This is a very uh. Very, You can't say this episode is boring. A lot has happened. Very eventful. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, but if, you know, while you're getting back to your room, I want to transition to talking about Joel Embiid and the 76ers, who are only 2.5 games behind the first seed in the East. Um, and Joel is in MVP form. He's averaging 32-12-4 over the past few games, scoring in every manner possible, you know. He's hitting faders. He's dominant in the paint cashing his three-pointers, really doing incredible things for a guy who's seven foot. Uh, if you watch him play, the just control he has over the game is incredible to watch. He's doing these crossovers, these pump fakes. He he has these Kobe-esque moves, um, and he's seven foot, which is ridiculous. And obviously, he's been terrific on the defensive end, too. So if the Sixers end as a top three seed, Joel Embiid is a name that has to be in that conversation because the only thing that's been holding him back is record. And now that the team is finding its stride again, um, you know, he has to be put into that conversation. And so I think the MVP race is going to be really, really close. Um, you know, you have obviously the front runner as of right now would be KD. Um, and, and Giannis is obviously in that conversation. Steph has been in a shooting slump. LeBron, you know, his team has been, sort of underperforming Jokic's team seed is too low jaw is playing really really well but you know I don't know if they're going to finish that high of a seed or if you know he's going to really be put ahead and then DeMar DeRozan I think is another guy in that conversation so you know it's going to be interesting to see but regardless it's fun to, to watch Joel Embiid playing super well Um, And another guy who's playing really, really well in the East, not on the same caliber, but a crazy sort of comeback season is Kyle Kuzma, who got his 18th triple-double of the season um, recently. And that's more than Embiid himself, more than Carl Anthony Towns, more than KD, more than Tatum, LeBron. And so he's been having a really, really great season for the Wizards and is absolutely balling out. So... Hunter is finally back, and which is great because I can ask him the question.
1: Yes. <laughs> did
0: the Wizards win the trade with uh, for Russell – or trading away Russell Westbrook and getting back Kuzma, KCP, and Montrose Hill?
1: Oh, you got to look at this, and there's only one right answer, and it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see the Wizards, yep. they go from having an all-star player who is – not efficient, but it's gonna get them to the playoffs the eight seed, struggle through the season, but it'll make it work. You I mean, take that and turn it into three quality, efficient role players, if not maybe even a borderline all-star on Kyle Kuzma with the right role. And this team has looked incredible. I mean, you were talking about Montrezl hero has been very serviceable for them in his right role. Kyle Kuzma has been absolutely insane, averaging, like you said, he has the most double doubles out of like all these crazy players. He, you know. LeBron, especially Luca. Luca the biggest shock to me. Luca's yeah. a guy who gets a ton of double doubles. I mean, forget about triple doubles. This is a guy you expect to be getting like, you know, ten plus assists, even maybe even on a night a nightly basis. So yeah. for Cal Kuzma to have his eighteenth double double of the season, and have that be more than Cat and B KD, that is a big accomplishment. I mean, and this isn't on a team where he's like slacking. This he's not playing on the freaking Portland Trailblazers where, you know, there's nobody, <laughs> nobody there. It's just, like, whoever, like, Yusuf Nurkic getting his 2020 game. Like, that doesn't really matter too much if you're going to lose every game. But for Kyle Kuzma to be having this big of a role on a mediocre – or not what am I saying? Not even mediocre. This is a good team. This is a very good team. For for Kal Kuzma to be doing this on a good team is a sign the Wizards have something special. I mean, they also have KCP. We're not even talking about that. He's a great 3&D guy veteran knows his stuff they definitely won this trade especially looking at how the Lakers have really struggled trying to find the right fit for Westbrook with the floor spacing playing LeBron at center really trying to run their the way they play around Westbrook's deficiencies
0: I agree and I I mean I 100% agree about the Lakers losing the trade but I just wanted to comment about Kyle Kuzma because a lot of people are seeing this as a surprise and being like Oh, Kuzma is good, actually.
1: No, this is not a surprise.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. I think that as much as we didn't like Kyle Kuzma when he was on the Lakers, obviously he was underperforming, but you couldn't really blame him because his role had changed so much. Kyle Kuzma has always been a very good player. Just when your role constantly changes on the team, it's hard for you to find your footing. And obviously he's been thrown around, tossed in different roles. But in his rookie season, when his role was very solidified – this was a guy who could who was liable to score 20-plus every night. And, you know, seeing him back in the, in the role that he thrives best in, you know, with the ball in his hands, as a scorer, um, we see how good
1: he can be. Yeah, I mean, you look at his rookie season, and he put up great numbers, and the Lakers and the fan base especially really expected him to continue that growth. But his role changed again and became to take a back seat. Obviously, LeBron was there in his rookie se- or was it LeBron there in his rookie season? I
0: think so. Uh, I don't think so, actually.
1: Oh, uh, was it? I thought that was the tw- 2018 was his rookie season, but maybe it was 2017.
0: Well, no, even in 2018, LeBron was in Cleveland still.
1: I meant the 2018, 2019, but
0: um, yeah, 18, anyway, 14, that's when he was. But then Kuzma was, uh, what was it? Uh, 2017, 2018. I
1: think. Okay, anyway, yeah, so his role changes. He was, uh, you know, probably the number two or even number one guy on the team. And then you go, hey, we kind of want you to mix things up a little bit. Bronze coming into the play, the picture. We need you to support him. So he changes his role again, becomes a little bit of a spot up shooter. And he thrives in that role, but not as much. And then in his third season, his his role changes again. And then in the fourth season, it changes again. So he's tasked with all these different things and he's not playing like himself. He finally gets to the wizards and he gets to be himself the scorer. You know, he he's a little plays a, with a lot of flair, isn't necessarily the smartest basketball player, but he'll score a ton of points in the game and he'll get his boards. I think the boards is something he picked up along the way in his fourth season with the Lakers when that's what he was tasked with. And I think that served him well.
0: 100%. And we see that reflected in how many double-doubles he's getting. So, you know, good to see Kuz balling out, out there in in Washington. Um, so let's move on to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. You brought up Luka and – well, he hasn't played to the, our expectations, he's still been very good, but the Mavericks have been catching a lot of steam as of late. Uh, they're 25-19 and 19 right now, fifth in the West, and they've won nine of their last 10 games, including a win over the red-hot Memphis Grizzlies, who are on an 11-game win streak. Um, they have the league's fourth-best defense, surprisingly. And so what do you credit their success to, mainly?
1: Before we credit their success, I want to just talk about this a little bit. Like, for the Mavericks, a team that seems pretty depleted, you know, they, it's really just Luka and Kristaps Porzingis has obviously stepped up this year. But when you think of the Mavericks, all you really can picture is Luka. For them to be fifth in the West and won nine of the ten games, you could have expected that Luka was going to carry this team, but not to, like, this extent. I don't think that many people, especially in a stacked Western conference, or at least people thought, that you know, this conference was generally stacked. Obviously, it's a weaker year in the West, but it's still the Western conference. A lot allow ta- always a lot of talent for them to be 25 and 19 fifth in the west when nine of their last 10 that's a great sign for this team um fourth best defense is the biggest shocker to me because this team you know you have Luca who's not a defensive minded superstar even Christstoffphs Porzingis is an offensive-minded player I mean they even hell they even got rid of their defensive players Josh Richardson like when you think of the the Mavericks, you think offense, you think, you know, ball movement, three-point shooting, you don't, you don't think a defense. And so who do I credit success to? I honestly do credit a lot of this to Jason Kidd. I think we had a lot of hate for Jason Kidd coming into this season. And I'm not sure that you feel the same way about me, but I think he unlocked something again in Kristaps Porzingis in the way his play style is. I think he really emphasized wanting to give Kristaps a bigger role. And I think he's successfully done that. And I do think, That's a big part of this defense because Kristaps is averaging near two blocks per game.
0: Yeah. And I mean, obviously I think that like, I wouldn't necessarily credit Jason Kidd because I don't see his coaching really reflected in like a lot of these players playing well. I just think it's them individually like stepping up and and playing to their potential. Uh, I credit guys like obviously Porzingis for the defense, But a guy like Jalen Brunson has been a very, very solid player. Not only on offense, he's averaging like 16 points, but also on defense, he's been very good. And so I think he's really going to get a bag in this offseason. And he's been garnering a lot of interest from other teams. And so I think overall, uh, you have to do gifts. I'll I'll actually revise. I give some credit to Jason Kidd because he has built a good defensive scheme that is allowing them to make up for some of their weaker defensive players. Obviously, Luka... He's an okay defender, but, you know, he's not the guy you want guarding the other players, other team's best player.
1: Yeah, I was um, also going to say, I I also want to give some love to uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I think he's been pretty good for them this season. His efficiency has been great, but he's been averaging almost 15 points per game. Same with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has been really well good for them. He's been shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three, averaging 10 points per game. So they do definitely have those guys who have, have been surprises this season. They're not necessarily a deep team, um, but I think that they'll make their way definitely to the postseason for sure. And we'll see how far they can get. Uh, I know this isn't really something we planned out talking to a little bit, but we, we talked about it with the Grizzlies. What do you think is this team's potential in the playoffs?
0: I mean, the Mavericks, you have Luka Doncic, that – Talented a player is always going to make you somewhat of a title contender. And I think with Kristaps Porzingis playing this well, and if the Mavs make one more move, they just need that third guy. Because I I like Tim Hardaway Jr. I like Jalen Brunson, but they need that solidified third guy. If they can get him, this team has potential to be like a 2020 Miami Heat and make their way to the NBA Finals. Uh, You think it should
1: be like a forward type player? Or yeah, another I, mean, ideally,
0: big. I think they should get a forward, you know, a, a, that wing, shooting guard, small forward type player. I can't really think of names right now. But imagine if they actually – imagine if the, this team got like a Jalen Brown. Imagine how good that would be.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's right there. That is a NBA championship caliber team. No,
0: Seriously, true. with Luka Doncic on that squad um, and Porzingis playing this well, this, this is a, a scary team because when they're firing – not only is their offense really good, but, like, they have a scary, like, surprisingly good defense, too. So we should keep our eyes out on the Mavericks and just see, you know, what they're going to be doing as we approach deadline territory because I think that this team could really make some noise in the in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you, you mentioned the 2020 Heat, so I think that will be a perfect transition into our, our next segment where we're going to talk about the Heat a little bit because this is a team that's really been finding their stride, having some success lately, even without their star players. I mean, this is a team right now that they're t- technically tied for first in the East because um, they, they're two games behind, meaning they have two games less played than the first seed in the Bulls, but their records are the same. Um, and then they've been finding a lot of success, like I said, in those undrafted players. I mean, you have Gabe Vincent, Kyle Guy, uh, Chris Silva, Max Struess, these guys that, you know, you really haven't heard of before, taking the places of guys like Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, taking up those minutes, and you'd say, well, if they're not playing their their guys, they're not going to be a good team. If I told you three months ago that Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo would have only played seven games together this season, and they'd still be like a game behind the 1C, you wouldn't believe me.
0: Yeah, no. This team has been finding so much out of guys who have been, you know, not v- very much overlooked. I will say, though, I-, I made a mistake. Kyle Guy actually was drafted. He was the 55th pick. So that's our okay. bad.
1: So but we're still, if it's still in the same kind of boat where it's like very close to being drafted. Like guys who wouldn't normally be playing is the boat we're talking
0: about. Exactly. And. The, you have to credit the heat scouting because they found so many guys like that. Think of Duncan Robinson last season. I know he's been having a down year and t- shooting the ball terribly. How about Precious Achua? Precious Achua too. Um, you know, obviously they were able to get Kyle Lowry in that it, trading him away, but they've gotten so much value from guys who have been really overlooked. And so I, and also the system that, um, Oh my God, what's, Miami Coast. Spolstra,
1: Eric Spolstra.
0: Oh my god, I was blanking. Uh, but yeah, the system he's able to run and the culture that they have there means that these guys, if they're there, they're proven and they know how to play together and no one really has an ego. So uh, the you know, you see a lot of ball moving on this team, you see a lot of gritty defense. This is a team that leads the league in charges by a long shot and part of that you have to credit to Kyle Lowry who might be the all-time greatest charge taker i can't think of anyone yeah
1: he, that. he's kyle lowry alone um i believe has drawn i think something like 29 charges this year and the next closest is i think maybe it might have been lebron with like 10
0: that's insane and that just shows you how gritty this team is how much they hustle how much they fight and even guy role players uh pj tucker he's been lighting it up from three uh, shooting 47, percent got to credit Tyler Hero, who's putting on a very solid six-man of the year campaign right now. Um, playing the ball, playing really, really well. You know, shooting lights out. And you know, when this team gets fully healthy, they get Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo playing together. This is another scary team who could very yeah. well just march their way onto the front.
1: So uh, I want to know what you're thinking of this. Bam Adebayo was out for 22 games, and he's finally back. What are the implications for this team in the chemistry now that he's back with Kyle Lowry? Um, do you think this team's going to have any sort of struggle in finding that chemistry for the first few games? And obviously, there, this is a, you know, a championship caliber team. But do you think, like, in your mind that this team is getting to the finals or is likely to get to that, that spot right there?
0: I mean, as of right now, I want to say no because I think that Milwaukee is just that much better. And I just think that a healthy Brooklyn, I I don't know. Healthy Brooklyn is scary. And I don't know if this team has enough to really take them over. But I don't know if adding Bam Adebayo is going to really shift their chemistry. This is a team that, you know, they've gotten a lot of guys in the rotation. They've just added guys like Omar Yurt7, you know, Chris Silva. Max Struce has taken a much bigger role this year. And they've made it work, you know they haven't had those growing pains even as guys have gone down. And so I think that they're going to like sort of click again and find their stride. And who knows, I think we might be looking at a heat one seed very soon, especially with the bulls sort of struggling as of late.
1: Yeah. And then we also almost forgot to mention PJ Tucker. He's been really great for this team. I mean, he's a guy, you think of him as a gritty player. He really fits the Miami scheme, but he's been lighting it up from the three-point line, especially those corner threes. That's his specialty. And he's been shooting almost 50% from the three-point line, 47%. Um, I'm not sure how many attempts he's taking per game, but I'd imagine it's around the the two, two attempts per game mark, just the kind of player I'd imagine him being. But I mean, he's been really great for this team. He's been a part of that culture of drawing charges with Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's also a big part. They lead the league in charges, playing that gritty defense. And he's been one of the reasons that they've been able to win games without Bam Adebayo. bio. He has a massive impact on the score without scoring. And those guys are, are the type of guys that win you championships.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we saw that with uh, when he was on the Bucks. you know, like he was making a lot of winning plays. And every team has a championship contender or a yeah, championship winner, actually. They always have those guys who, you know, they are doing the dirty work. They're getting down and dirty, making those hustle plays that just push you over the edge.
1: Yeah, I mean, you even have, like, looking at the Lakers, you have a guy like Alex Caruso, even this guy, you know, who's meme dumb. But look, he really does that gritty work that needs to be done. There's there's a lot of those guys in the league, and they're really valued.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, even going back to 2019, Kyle Lowry, that's a guy who's, like, he's always taking charges, always – jumping into the stands to save a loose ball and making those gritty plays on offense and defense that you need in order to win.
1: So yeah, I think the prime example is Draymond. Draymond's a oh, great, great example yeah. of that. I mean, Big he does the, my, he's also grown as a player. He's really grown as a playmaker as well. He's always been a great, had great vision, but I think Draymond is a guy who's really evolved over the years as he's, you know, g- gained chemistry with Steph Curry. And now he's, you know, racking up eight assists a night. Or obviously, that's not what he's averaging, but it feels like that when you watch him play.
0: Do you think that Draymond Green should be an all-star this year?
1: It's really hard to say. I mean, he really has been so important for this team, and I, I think he does deserve to be an all-star. It feels like there's so many guys who deserve to be an all-star this year, but I just don't think there's enough spots in an all-star team for him to be deemed an all-star.
0: I think that there is. I think there's more uh... – Spots than you think. Oh, actually,
1: wait. In the West, it's like you're putting Brandon Ingram in that spot, or like who would you put in that yeah, spot? Like, like Paul George
0: go- is out. Like he's Paul George might not play another game this season. So I I want to say like look, Draymond is not averaging crazy numbers or anything. He's averaging it like, could
1: be Draymond.
0: He's averaging almost like eight, eight, and eight. Um,
1: I think but- he might. I think he might be, like, the first player. Is it, like, since Dennis Rodman or something be an all-star without averaging double-digit points? I think that was the... Yeah. Um, Which would be crazy. Yeah, I
0: mean, but I think he fully deserves it. He's been so integral to this team. And I think that, you know, he has been... uh, What do you call it? I mean, he's he's a three-time all-star. And he's never been a a type of guy to, like, put up crazy numbers. But, like, just how winning of a player he is, I think he deserves it, especially because the Warriors have been the one seed for so long. And
1: Yeah. You know. If, if Mike Conley could have been an all-star last year, Draymond definitely deserves to be an all-star this year. No hate on Mike Conley. Just don't think you deserve to be an all-star, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: neither do I, uh, at least not this year. But yeah. I think that's a good place to call it. This has been a very tumultuous episode with the yes. alarm, but yes. a great one nevertheless.
1: I, I apologize for the inconvenience to our listeners. You know, that is not something that's going to happen very often. Just part of living the college life, living the dorms, fire drills, whatever happens, happens. And just got to roll with it, right? Yep. Just
0: roll with the punches. Um, but yeah, that'll be all for us today. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you all so much for listening and take care. Bye bye. Bye.